you experienced? Have you ever been experienced? And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 406, a.k.a. year 8, week 34, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with MC and KS. And since this is your regularly scheduled Clubhouse broadcast, find us on the old Clubhouse. Uh, The club is the Anarchist Experience, and... Uh, you can at me at riches for rich r i c h e s the number four r i c h, and I will click the little button if we're friends to to invite you into the room, um, if you so choose to join us. Uh, I as I was closing out Clubhouse last week, they they have a new thing called like homes or something like that or or room not beyond rooms or something. I was like, oh man, you know what what more can be done like. I, we get people into the club, into the room that is started, but what is this larger clubhouse play area? You know, I don't know. I got to look into it. Either mm-hmm. way, that's for me to do. But if you know, let me know. Um, I haven't looked into Twitter's space either. They, uh, Twitter copied Clubhouse somehow. I don't know how good it works, but is it new? Is it like a post Elon thing, or was it I, a Clubhouse competitor I, from before? I, I don't know. Um, I only found out about it after Elon, and, be, and it was because Elon was in one of the rooms that I got notified about it, and uh, it was like, oh, okay, now there's like, you know, 600 people on this stupid audio call, you know? <laughs> Interesting, because they had, um, was, was it Twitter, or who did Periscope, right? There was, there was a little pop-up video thing, and... I forget the animal that it was first named after. It's like the little groundhog things that like pop up. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Okay. Well, whatever. But like Twitter or something (laughs) copied it and called it Periscope. You know, it was like the cute little animal and then Twitter's copy of it. So it's not, I guess it's not unheard of for Twitter to copy other things. Mm -hmm. But also, I mean, I'm going to be honest about Clubhouse. It feels like it's on the decline um, as far as usefulness. Not that we need to move off of it because it's still functional for our purposes, but it doesn't seem to be as popular as it was when it first hit the scene. So the question is like, what's next? And where do we broadcast from here? You know, yeah. type of thing. Well, I I, I kind of like I'm I'm a at the moment I'm an Elon fanboy. So um, until he does something to piss me off, uh, <laughs> I support Twitter. Oh, I like get what? Eight, take a government bucks. handout for one of his other businesses. Sure. Okay. No, that doesn't that 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 actually doesn't piss me off that bad. Really? <laughs> it doesn't. That's... I don't care. <sighs> I really don't care. Bad anarchist. <laughs> bad anarchist. I I think it's mm, well. I don't know how much lobbying SpaceX does. Okay. Like okay, the whole the whole, the whole car rebate doesn't bother me at all because that's that's just a leftist thing that they're going to do whether elon exists or not well okay 
but it's not just it's not just a rebate for the customers. It's the the grants and whatnot that has gotten from the government to maintain his business operations. I think he's paid those back a long time ago. Okay. So it's okay to get a grant from the or a loan from the government as you would any place else as long as you pay it back. It's not you don't consider that to be a, a corporate welfare scheme. Um I'm not gonna say it's okay, but Okay. <laughs> I don't I don't know what to say about it. It's just some it's it's the least of my worries. Okay. Well, okay, that's if we're talking real world stuff, then yeah. Like I'm not I'm not directly harmed by Elon's uh, corporate handouts, right? But at the same time, it's hard to uh, praise his genius, right? When a lot of that genius is just being a crony, right? A yeah, small part of, it, of that is, I think. Okay. Fair enough. KS, you've been gone for like a month and I know you didn't. It wasn't a business-related endeavor, uh, but you said you kind of felt out of the loop, news-wise, oh, yeah. when you came back, and you walked into some bizarre stories of some kind. Yeah, I was, um, you know, amused by the, um, the the stove gate thing, where they say that uh, there's plans to, you know, when they when they talk about the plan to ban gas stoves. You know, it's just a sounding board to to see what kind of reaction there's going to be. If there was no reaction, then they they'd go right ahead and ban them. If there if there is a big reaction, then they then they wait a little while. And, uh, and so that's one of the things. And the other thing that struck me this week was the um, the usual hypocrisy of the media with regard to the classified documents in Biden's possession since he was vice president. That's a really long time back. Yeah. And um, and uh, well, I. That wasn't a surprise to me, but I guess I was put off by the the fact that they knew it well in advance of the midterm elections, but decided not to say anything about it because they didn't want to influence the elections. Sure, by, um, you know something that that they had long accused um, Trump of, and but they weren't going to make an issue of it with regard to Biden. And Biden said, after all, that it was in his garage and he kept his keeps his garage locked. It's not like you had them out in the street. <laughs> yeah, let's let's start with the stoves of those things because that one seems bizarre. I know you said they they float it to see the reaction. If they don't get a reaction, then they go ahead and ban it. Um, but like, it can't be. It can't be that all of a sudden, right? The the little bit of gas that leaks out of the stove, or you know the whatever. Has auto, has overnight become detrimental to the health of the community, like they're claiming. So, what is what do you suppose the motivation is for banning natural gas stoves? Because it I seemed like it came out like of left the, field, like the pandemic. It's uh, to keep a heightened sense of of fear and anxiety about all the things that are familiar to your life, so that. Um, you don't mind if the government um, steps up its intrusions because it's for your own good. And as long as there's a panic about um, this stuff being in your house and and contributing to global warming and it, the the endless barrage about how climate change is to, is to blame for, for everything, then everything is open to attack. 
Oh, see, I missed the climate change part. I thought it was they were saying it was unhealthy. They tried to they, tie this to climate I think change. They, I think they switched to that because some somebody on the left said, "Oh, we should ban gas stoves," and then they had to make up a reason why as okay. to not not let any leftists get you know uh, pummeled. I yeah, but what what was their motivation though? Like, was it really? I get I get I get your response, Cass. That it was to drum up the fear, right? But it still seems like, okay, of all the things to be fearful for, right, gas stoves doesn't seem like it would be high priority or next. It's, it's a, the, the real reason is because of their climate change hysteria. Okay. And, the, and, then, and, and, then, they, and then they made up the, <laughs> the oh, it's going to cause uh, asthma in, in, in kids. Like, whatever. I, I think it's... a. Just the general notion that everything that you thought was safe and familiar and comfortable around you is all a possible threat. And so, therefore, we are standing in to protect you. you know, okay. So there's this, it just reinforces this whole notion that the government is there to, to, um, to shield you from the world of things that you didn't realize were, were so, such a threat. And so anything's vulnerable next. You know, for all I know, it could be coffee that's going to be the next thing because you have to heat up coffee and that's contributing to global warming. Nonsense. Or the, the, the coffee plants are, take, are using up too much oxygen to grow them. Or whatever, I don't know. But it, okay, so the, the gas stove thing, I get it. Fearful, you know, keep people in fear. Of, of whatever's next. Um, <clears throat> but it also seems like, so we, you know, we, we kind of looked into this, there, you know, read an article about it and like 40% of houses use natural gas, right? Like that's, so and, it's a hundred percent of restaurants. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the wonderful thing about restaurants, man. Like, you could, like, Oh yes. You know, <laughs> That for for me, that's where it starts. I go, oh, this is so much better. Plus, it's the irony here. Another irony here is that it's natural gas that helped bring down tremendously, bring down the uh, carbon emissions of the United States in recent years. I remember Bjorn Longberg had a nice uh, um, essay about how just this conversion to natural natural gas, because there was so much of it coming out from the fracking that was allowed here in the United States that it was replacing coal as a major source of energy production and that the U.S. had therefore reduced its carbon output by more than all the signatories to the Kyoto Protocols combined um, by this conversion. And now you get an attack on natural gas because, well, we can't allow the United States to have a, um, a, uh, to, lo- to look good on this, on this target uh, practice. Well, that's uh, okay. So that's another thing that's weird from the lefties and the greenies, then, right? Because mm-hmm. it's it's used in an abundance of households, right? It's not as bad as they claim, um, and to your and to your point, it re- it reduces the the carbon footprint. Like it all, it almost seemed like they were forcing people to use electricity, right? Like you know what what else can you do if not you know what else can the consumer do? if not for natural gas and that's some sort of plug in stove. Right. And so now you're, now you have 40%, you know, of the, of the users 
going attaching their stove to the grid, right? Yeah, and, and overwhelming yeah, as if, that. As if other kinds of of energy um, come from uh, nothing, but they they come they have to generate the the electricity uh, also, and they're increasingly doing that from natural gas. So, and know. it's it seems like that's the part that they miss, right? They think like yeah. it's either it's either renewables, like you put up you put up your solar panels, and that's it, right? Then that's that's where electricity comes from. But no one, no one takes the opportunity to remind them that it's mostly coal-fired plants, right? Like the likelihood is that your electric car is plugged in to a power station powered by a coal-fired plant. Yeah. Right? And then you turn off the natural gas and you plug your stove into an outlet that's likely powered by a coal-fired plant. And yet you want to reduce the carbon, you know, of these coal-fired plants. Well, stop plugging shit into them. <laughs> right like find other ways to do it you know yeah. find other economical well, ways to do it because i'm fine with wind and solar and whatever uh as soon as the market price comes down to the same level as a coal-fired or whatever electrical plant oh when, when all the, the while the, sorry sorry all the while ahead. while electric prices are going up when the people of uh, science found out about uh the greenhouse warming effect from CO2, um, they thought it was a good thing. They said, we're going to have a much more lush tropical world with more green stuff and easier to grow food. Um, And that's exactly what happened. And it's the exact opposite of what the uh, anti-carbon people uh, want. Um, And so they just refuse to acknowledge that the planet is better now than when CO2 was half as much. Okay. So um, the whole thing is, is, has been flipped upside down, and it's not even logical to talk to them about reducing CO2 because CO2 is not a pollutant. It is plant food. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm with you. It just it makes so little sense to me. Even from the, the, what they're doing, it doesn't even, shouldn't even make sense to them. Right, mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. it's it's detrimental to their stated goal, and yet they somehow justify it anyway. And yeah, I was well, same thinking. thing. Same thing happened in, in in Germany. They shut down all their all their coal, gas, nuclear, in favor of wind and solar, and then they ran out of electricity, and they had and they re- resorted back to firing up the coal plants because yeah. it was the easiest thing to do. So now they have more pollution because, you know, there is pollution that comes out of coal yeah. uh, besides CO2. Um, and they have ways to, to filter it, you know, pretty good now. So it's actually not that polluting. It's probably the worst place to do it is probably China because they just don't care. <laughs> right? Like, just give me more power. I don't care about the pollution. Um, in places like Germany and in the U.S., you, you, the only thing you see coming out of a coal-fired plant is the steam. Okay. From water, and that's not pollution, right? So, um, and of course, there's the invisible gas, which is CO2, which isn't pollution either. So, um, there's that. Yeah. So, so again, right, like in, in the case of Germany, they, they tried to go renewable, right? Fine, but it wasn't enough, right? So, they, there's, they're supplementing somewhere, which means 
it it seems it seems odd that you could translate that across the globe and have enough solar farms or wind farms uh to, to you know to sustain all the electrical usage for everybody as technology increases and we have more crap that we're plugging in right like i remember okay so i listened to a, a tech show and this is old news from the tech show but there was a you know they were they were talking about the 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 windmills and how windmills kill birds are you familiar with this oh, yeah. yeah thousands of birds thousands and of birds and endangered birds right mm-hmm. and so the the host of the tech program like pulls up the statistics and it goes, yes, it kills thousands of birds, but it's such a small percentage of bird killer that it's not even worth talking about, right? And then, and and you know, from my perspective, I'm like, fuck, yelling at the radio, right? Because I'm like, but you want to increase this like a hundredfold, right? Like <laughs> the, the small percentage of wind farms that are available right now are killing thousands of birds, and if you want to increase wind power, you have to put up more wind farms. And guess what's going to happen to that percentage of birds dead, right? It's, it's yeah, logically going to go up proportionally. But also, which birds does it kill? Well, it kills the biggest birds. They're, yeah. they're more likely to get hit by the damn things. But. Or hit the things, because, I mean, come on. It's, you know, the windmill's not a moving target. I know birds aren't the smartest, but, you know, come on. Well, the, the ends of those blades are traveling at like 100 miles an hour or something. I understand that. It's okay. So if I want to compare this to a human, it's like, it's like, uh, hitting, it's like hitting the light pole in the parking lot, right? It didn't just come out of nowhere. Yeah. So I, all I'm but, saying is but if, but, but birds if you're should a bird, be more aware. If you're a bird, you don't necessarily understand the concept of a windmill. No, I get it. I get it. But you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta feel that breeze somewhere, man, and figure it out. <laughs> That's why they're flying around those areas. There's lots of wind. <laughs> birds <laughs> like the wind. <laughs> so not only is it killing a lot of birds, and if you put up more, it's going to kill even more birds. But it's going to attract the birds to their own death. I mean, you put the windmills where the wind is. Oh, okay. So, and that's where the birds are going to be anyway. (laughs) Especially the big birds, because they need that wind to, you know, sustain their flight. To give them the lift. Yeah. All right. Either way, it's like the underwater turbines, right? It's going to suck in some fish. Yeah. Um, There's actually some new technology for uh, uh, bladeless uh, wind generators, which seem pretty cool. Is Uh, it from Dyson? No. Oh. Um, uh, I, I just don't know how viable they are. It's like that if, if you're on YouTube enough, you'll, you'll see all these new technologies that, that promise to change the world and then that nothing. There's another one I liked. It was uh, solar panels, but they, they make uh, little magnifying glasses to concentrate the light into the solar panel. So it's, you know, 50 nice. to 75% more, more efficient. And... Where are they? You know, it's like maybe they have a patent patent on it, and they're making them as fast as they can, and they put out one solar panel a year or something. I don't know. Well, there's your, there again. So there's your problem with the patents, 
right? Because if yeah, they release I'm that not sure if wild, that's what it is. I, I really don't know. But some of these things they, they say are so fantastic and then just nothing. All right. I don't I don't spend I don't spend an abundance of time online yeah. or on YouTube. Like I just Yeah, I'm I'm always interested in the new technology. You know, and it's it's the same thing with batteries too. Yeah. There, there, every month there's a new battery technology that's supposed to revolutionize batteries and we're and the only thing we can do is just wait for Elon Musk to to make his slightly bigger cell to put in the, in the car because well that's what we know how to build. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's here's one area where I will side with Elon Musk sort of even though it's not really taking Elon Musk's side. Right, I hate seeing news articles about uh, electric or self-driving vehicles causing accidents. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, oh man, the, the the self-driving mechanism went haywire and caused an eight-car pileup on the freeway. You know, and then there's calls to repeal or ban or remove or do whatever. You know, as if a human has never caused an eight-car pileup on the freeway. Right, like it's. It may not have been that instance, but it is way more likely that a human is going to cause a traffic accident than an electric vehicle, but electric vehicles are the only ones that like make the news as far as hysteria and fear-mongering. Yeah. Um, the, there's one thing that supposedly, I don't really know that much about it, but if you have full self-driving enabled on the Tesla, it's more likely to slow down than speed up or, or stay or stay the right speed. And so people that drive with full self-driving on, they usually have their foot uh, over the gas pedal instead of the brake. Now, that isn't really a problem unless you're just not experienced with the system at all. And let's say it is heavy traffic, uh, maybe in a tunnel or somewhere where there's lots of uh, shade or, you know, shadows. Um where uh, it's harder to see what's going on, basically, if there's a lot of cars. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden your car slams on its brakes because it sees a shadow and it thinks it's a solid object. Right. Um, and you're not there to press on the gas to say, no, just keep going. And then, you know, then you get rear-ended and then, then you have an eight-car pileup, right? Um, but anybody who's experienced will just tell the car to keep going. You know, like, right. oh, there's nothing in front of me. Like, keep going. Um, so I, I've I've had that happen to me once or twice in, in my car, but I, I don't have full self driving. I just have the lane keep assist enabled. Okay, um, and that's kind of what you do. Um, but uh, like I said, if you're not experienced, it can slam on its brakes and you know cause cause an accident. Okay, um, so it's just in this, it's an experience thing. Um, it's yeah, it's definitely not perfect. Uh, okay, but that's the only thing that I've seen you know, as a, as a possibility, really. So as, as far as safe driving is concerned, I'm a little bothered by getting people in the habit of covering the gas, right? That Mm, seems me too, except you you factor in that the car is more likely to slow down than do, than do anything else. Then it's like, it's, it's actually pretty safe. Like my, my car has saved me from getting in one accident um, I was looking for an, an exit from a potential wreck. I was looking left and right. And while I was looking left and right, it decided to slam on the brakes and, and I avoided an accident, but you know, okay. it slammed on the brakes. All right. Uh, again, I, I hear that. I'm not, I'm not against that. I just, 
I'm I'm struggling with accepting uh, new habits being worse than old habits, right? Like, yeah, yeah. it makes no, it I, makes I, sense I for agree. me. It's 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 something that you you would have to get used to, and it's not it's not totally logical because normally you're supposed to cover the brake, right? And it doesn't transfer when you get into another car, right? True. Like unless unless you get into another Tesla with full self driving, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're conditioned to cover the gas. Like when I drive. And I'm on my normal route, right, outside of, you know, all the stop and go stoplights, et cetera, right? I got cruise control on because, hey, that's good enough for me, right? I can I can not worry about my speed and I can lay back and just worry about steering, right? That's, hey, that's plenty good for me. Uh, but I still cover the brake, you know, just in case. And there's, you know, my, my current route, there's some sketchy areas where you know the road engineers went oh fucking they'll figure it out and for the most part we do but i get you know i get nervous as cars approach um i don't think it's i don't think it's because i got into an accident uh, but i don't think it i don't i think it helps me be a little bit more cautious because i got into an accident where like as i approach these inter i'm going to call them intersections they're not really intersections um but when i approach these areas i go like I don't trust that that dude's going to stop properly, right? I I have to be aware of what's going on, and I need to be paying attention just in case, you know. So I'll my you know my my senses will perk up, and I'll cover the brake and maybe even tap the brake and turn off the cruise control and slow down a little bit and uh, approach with caution, because that's the safe thing for me to do for myself. And I would you know hate to be in a situation where <clears throat> the person on the other side or whatever was like covering the gas, right? And like thought he was going to be slowing down and instead accelerates into an accident uh, hmm. because they were used to driving a Tesla, right? Like that that's sort of what happened when my sister uh, hit my car with my mom's car when she was learning to drive, right? They said, you know, I was parked across the street. My mom's car was parked in the neighbor's yard and the instructions were drive the car off the curb, of the neighbor's yard and turn it to pull it in front of the house. Right. <laughs> and I was going to go stand out there in front of my car to make sure that she saw what was over there. And then I went, Nope. Cause then I'm going to get smushed. And so I didn't. <laughs> and luckily I didn't because you know, she rolled off the curb, didn't realize how fast idle was. Right. You know, cause she was like 14 or 15 at the time she's practicing. So like, you know, there's, there's some leniency there. Um, but then drove off the curve, slammed on the gas and plowed into my car and moved it like three feet up the other curb. Oh, no. Right? <laughs> but this, you've, you've been to my mom's house. So you know how wide that road is, mm-hmm. right? It's not very wide. You, there's not a lot of room to, to get speed and she got enough to, to move it. Uh-huh. Um, but she was like, I stepped on the brake. I'm like, sure you did. <laughs> oh, well again, she's 14. So there's a little bit of leniency. So I'm like. No, you didn't. You stepped on the gas. She's like, no, I swear I stepped on the brake. <laughs> I'm like, number one, if you stepped on the brake, uh, the car would have stopped, right? And number two, if you had stepped on the brake, it wouldn't have gone as you, you know, mm-hmm. drove off the edge. So, like, don't don't pretend like you didn't do something wrong. Just learn the lesson, right, of which is the gas and which is the brake. Otherwise, this this will happen again. And I feel like a, you know, I feel like similar things are in store for people covering the gas, 
right? Because wherever your foot is, when you freak out, like that's what you're going to step on. And I get it that in a Tesla, that's probably what you need to do because when you freak out, it's going to be because the Tesla is fucked up. Um, but I don't, I, I'm cautious of making that the habit, uh, that carries through, right? Cause you jump right. in someone else's car, you know, it's a little less familiar, but you know, you, you, you do think you do things the way you've done things. And if you have the habit of covering the gas, I don't know, not, All right. not thrilled about uh, that. Can we, can we get into a headline? Oh, we can, but we, I was still going to talk about the uh, KS also brought up the Joe Biden files and I figured. Are we, are we done with that? We already mentioned it, right? Well, we mentioned it, but then we went back to the, we went back to the stoves. We didn't circle back. Yeah, yeah we made a circle. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you I, don't, I thought, I thought we were done with the files, but. <laughs> oh, I mean, did, I mean, we can be, he, he I mean, mentioned some, it, but I don't, we didn't really get into details about it. The, the other files that I'm more interested in, actually, I haven't looked at it lately because I'm, I'm I, w- I want all the files to be re- released, you know, the Twitter files and stuff, but. Okay. And, but man, they just, they just keep you know, finding more stuff on how they're manipulating everybody, uh, especially with the, with the COVID thing um, that, you know, they're, they're telling people that they're, they're, they're they made like millions of re- requests to, to delete memes off of Twitter and stuff. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Glenn Greenwald says that they're having the, the same problem in, was that in the, he's in Brazil, right? Is he? I don't know who. But um, anyway, he says there's, you know, a media blackouts happening, and because of the the protests there. Yeah, there were some violent protests in Brazil. Yeah, and I think it's from the the left in 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 Brazil, right? And uh, le- the left is also in control of the media in in Brazil too. Well, the yeah, le- the they, left also stole the election, depending on your perspective on things sure, in Brazil. Sure. So. There's there's protests from the right and then suppression from the left at this point. But isn't it the left that that's taking over the? Um, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> the, I'm, not, I'm not up with okay that much. But the, My, the claim is is that they're they're uh, doing media suppression in Brazil now. Yeah, and that would be from the left because they're in control of the politics, like the 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 Brazil. My basic knowledge, right? Like, if you want details, I couldn't give any details. My basic knowledge is, uh, much like here, right, the left stole the election there, and then the right protested the stealing of the election, and then there was suppression from the left. So they they said, hey, you can't be stealing the election, and then the left started, like, violently repelling those protests, as well as not letting the media tell the true story, right? And so there, there's, there's yeah, media suppression I, on the left, from the left as well, coming out of Brazil. I wish there was a way to let them have it. Like, here, you can have the government, and then everybody on the right just to agree to boycott government, you know. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> or any, you know, anybody who's not a, a leftist, yeah. just boycott. Uh, well, you know, the, not- you know the the way to do, the, the real way to do that is to remove the arbitrary geographical restrictions of governments, right? Turn them turn them into what they actually are, which is religions. And if you mm-hmm. ascribe to that religion, right, you follow the rules of that religion. And if you break the rules of that religion, uh, then you are penalized by that religion. But you don't get to tell anybody else 
how to what they should believe in or you know have lack of belief right like i don't ha- i don't have to fast or do nothing on the sabbath cuz i'm not jewish right and as long as jews don't come after me and tell me that i have to like not do anything on a saturday right we're cool right but if they started to tell me like oh no buddy it's the sabbath and and we passed the law a long standing law that goes back to the existence of god right that you can't do anything on the sabbath and they try to enforce that somehow well then obviously we have a problem so you know so if if leftists if leftists want to follow the, the rules as laid out by you know the the brazilian government or the biden administration fine do it you know re- reduce your carbon footprint and turn in as many uh, gas stoves as you want right but you don't get to tell me what to do come and take it yeah the, like okay so man. the irony with that we'll circle back we'll circle back once more because the meme going around right now is like a fucking image of jill biden cooking on a gas stove you think she's turning hers in no you turn yours in they'll keep theirs right because but, but some animals are more equal than others right they're the politically protected class. They'll they'll get to do whatever they want, and they'll likely write an exception into the law, right? Because hey, we're we're responsible enough, and we know, and yada yada yada. We're better than you, and so we get to keep our stove. But but you aren't smart enough to understand the health risks of it, and so you must turn in yours. I like that because you know, for most of I don't know, I guess through the Middle Ages and so on. The, the national territory was the religious territory. Everyone in, in the country had to be Catholic or Protestant or Hindu or Muslim or whatever, and you had to convert, although there were exceptions and so on. But yeah, there was it was considered that you couldn't possibly have different religions side by side in the same territory. Now we've come to accept that the different religions can be side by side in the same territory and people practicing different things. So I agree with you. Why Why not? Uh, government um, policies uh, or ideologies. There's no reason they can't be. It's it's the same goddamn thing. Yeah, I, I mean, there's complications there, but but I really like the idea that uh, yeah, if you if you want a government to to rule your masks or whatever, you know, then then subscribe to that. But uh, yeah, well, the only problem is the the real reason for government, and I've I've done this experiment many times. Is, is is ask them questions about, you know, what what they think the reason for government is, and it's because other people are stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everybody else is is stupid, and so uh, you have to have a government to make sure that they don't do stupid things. Yeah, and it's the stupid people. It's 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 always the stupid people, right? That need to be protected, and which is why the laws are based on the least common denominator. Well, not, not just protected, but the, the smart people have to protect themselves from the stupid people. So you have to have these rules to make sure that, you know, that the rich people are safe, smart people, you know? So, all right. I want to, I want to go back to chaos real quick. Cause you said something that I don't think you're wrong, um, but I want to hear you flush it out. You said that, uh, obviously religions uh, living side by side in the same geographic area, there will be obvious complications. Um, what sort of complications do you foresee and how would those be resolved absent a state? 
Uh, no, I, I, I think maybe what I was uh, saying was that it used to be that it was assumed that in any geographic territory you could have only one religion and the others were outlawed or, or uh, penalized. Uh, but they, there were exceptions where they allowed, okay, they would allow Christians to, to be in a Muslim community um, or, or, but then, you know, like there were Huguenot um, uh, Protestants in France when it was dominated by the French and there were Quakers in England when they was dominated by the Anglican Church. They'd be persecuted and uh, run into trouble, but there was some overlap. I mean, Jews were throughout much of Europe when they were forbidden to, and but they, they still were tolerated to some extent in some places. I'm just saying that there were exceptions to the absolute rule. Yeah. Um, because they were, they were useful. I mean, it was the Catholics and Protestants found it useful to have Jews because they were the only ones allowed to charge interest and therefore be moneylenders. Yeah, well, but also you're talking about in in those cases you're talking about these particular religions dominating and controlling a geographic area, right? Yeah, and yeah. so that would make them the de facto government in yeah. that area. And I'm and what I'm suggesting is that they they ought not control the the laws of the geographic area, only the laws of people who ascribe to their beliefs. Yeah, and that's that's what we've come to accept with regard to religions. Right. Uh, I don't know exactly when the transition occurred, but a lot of it was when the U.S. Um, government was created because it, it was the, probably one of the few territories that was strictly non-religious in its, um, in well, its uh, you know, in, in its um, territorial um, and ascribed guidance. in the First Amendment. Right. Yeah. No yeah, establishment yeah. of point. religion. Right. So in 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 one I guess okay, so credit where it's due then. In one respect, that established the the uh the blueprint for a geographic area, right, that ought not follow religious laws. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But in the, in a, in another area Right, establish that in order for you to have a, a geographic area without religious laws, there must be something even bigger than the church, right? To mediate and moderate and to pass the laws of everyone, uh, and then the you know the the churches can pass their laws underneath that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I I think there've been you know like Murray Rothbard and some of the uh, radical libertarians have explored the idea of um, competing insurance companies as, as uh, allowing the whole idea of competition in, in the form of police courts and defense so that you don't have to have even um, a single national government for police courts and defense, uh, that you can have uh, competing choices and voluntarism and uh, you know, there's and David Friedman wrote a lot about this in his book uh, Machinery of Freedom, um, a Radical Guide to Capitalism, yeah. which is a, a, an excellent exploration of these things. And and they have existed to some extent in certain places around the world in history. I think that uh, one that they often refer to is Iceland. I, th- I think okay. So here's here's my concern with that when dealing with. Uh, normies, muggles, 
right, who don't quite grasp the ideas of liberty and freedom yet. Mm. And it's all they, they always need an example, right, of how the free market will do things that are currently done by the state. And then it, it turns into, it becomes incumbent upon the free market advocate, right, to centrally plan everything. <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah uh, how yeah, are yeah. courts going to roll? Well, let me let me write up this example of how courts could work out. How is policing going to work? Well, let me write up this example. Right. And the truth is, the example is just one of an infinite number of possibilities on how those things would shake out. And the exactly, one- I really like what you just said because that that we're all the time trying to trust the process of volunteerism. For example, the way to illustrate that I, when that very thing that you're saying is, imagine that you were uh, one of the Wright brothers and asked, well, how would you design a 747 jet? Well, they wouldn't be able to tell you how to design it. But the process of, of knowledge and exploration in the marketplace it was such that uh, people, millions of people working in, in all their different in, with all the different incentives and with their innovation came up with 747 jets and uh, right but they didn't they had no idea what it was going to be like exactly i was having a discussion with my boss again i don't know you i don't know if you've listened to any of the shows but discussions with my new boss is interesting because he is he is a hardcore statist um but he's also smart and so it's weird that those things go hand in hand but apparently they do in some cases um and so I'm, you know, I forget, I forget what, what brought it. Oh, I, I know it brought up the discussion. We started talking about, um, again, again, the geographical boundaries, right? And he's, he was complaining about something, you know, and again, I don't remember the genesis of the, com- of the conversation. It was like, well, back in the day with the Indians and whatever, right? The Apaches would come over in from Mexico, raid America, and then dip back into, you know, Mexico because the Mexicans wouldn't stop them, right? And there was nothing we could do about it uh, because Mexico has jurisdiction. I went, well, there's your fucking <laughs> excuse problem. Excuse me. Yeah, excuse, yeah, and you could say, of course, well, what do you mean? They were raiding back the territory that the U.S. government had taken from them in the first place? <laughs> oh, okay. You know what? That might have been the genesis because he said something. He's like a hardcore military supporter and, you know, Ukraine guy. And he's, he, it might have been something to the effect, well, the United States always keeps their word in, in, the, in the global sphere. <laughs> yeah. And I gave him like the, the, the blah, 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 huh? Like he's, <laughs> he's like, well, what are you thinking? I'm like, well, we can fucking start with the Indians for one. <laughs> Right, hundreds of years of it, yeah. You know, and then, but then his response was, "Well, we we can't hold the current, we can't hold the current state responsible for what it did a hundred years ago." I'm like, "Well, okay." Well, how how about uh, you know we will not advance NATO. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> whatever. There, there's again, there's an infinite number of examples that could have been provided, but I was like, "Well, let's just start with the Indians." Well, I, you know, I would start with the most current because he's he's all you know a big fan of Ukraine was like yeah. no we this this whole conflict didn't have to happen. Yeah, I just that's so true with so many things. Even the whole of the Middle East, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Either way, but I said they, I said start with the Indians spots. because it, there's there's a history going back to the Indians. Yeah, right of the United States not keeping their word uh, on what they're going to do. So like. 
you know, we, we, we start at square one. We can, we can start at the end and work our way back, but we can also start at the beginning and work our way forward if we want. But he got to, you know, he got to the Apache thing. And I was like, well, you know, let's, let's go to the root cause of that then, boss. Right? Your problem is that you can't get justice because there's artificially geographic borders, like, written into the dirt. Right? <laughs> if you didn't have these artificial borders... Right, and someone came onto your property and stole something from you, you could just go get it back wherever they happen to be, you know. And then he brought up the, he brought up another example of of you know uh, did you know there's like <laughs> Chinese police forces in the United States and they're arresting Chinese citizens and deporting them back to China to face justice in China for stuff that they said in the United States. I was like, okay. But again, do you see how that's because there's this weird geographic border in process, right? Where all of a sudden they're beholden to Chinese law because they're still tied to China in some way. And that's just China meeting out their justice. Whereas if there wasn't an artificial border in place, Right, they wouldn't be Chinese, you know, nationals or Chinese citizens, right? They would be, they would be, you know, on the land that they currently reside, with, you know, under whatever rules happen to be there. But, you know, could could take lawful actions, you know, take actions of lawful self defense against any Chinese cop that tried to arrest them and take them back for a non crime, right? And it's like, well, it wouldn't. They would just write a law. That makes their actions lawful. Like, well, if you don't like the term lawful, call it moral self-defense, right? But if someone, if someone from another country, right, tried to arrest me here, you know, kind of like the Julian Assange thing, right? Like, you know, the, he, he broke no American laws, not an even an American national, and we're going after him anyway, or the United States is going after him anyway, right? That some form of protection by his friends or community or neighbors would put up some sort of active defense, violent if necessary, you know, to protect him from being kidnapped uh, by another nation state. And I think the phone rang and he had to go take a call and my lunch break was over at that point. But it was, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to excuse myself, but yeah, I'll, no still listen, I'll still listen in as best I can. Thanks a lot. Hey, I love this. This was fun. Yeah, no problem. But yeah, so... It, it all goes, it, you know, it boils down in its core to these geographic board, these artificial boundaries, these lines in the dirt created by whomever, you know, to give them, you know, monopoly powers on violence over a geographic area. And if you remove that, right, then, then how will things look? And the answer is, I don't really know. And uh, it doesn't matter, right? Like, we will figure it out by some form or fashion. And hopefully we will figure it out nonviolently. Oh, I know the, the the phone didn't ring. The discussion went on um, because I said, you know, like I'm all for, you know, the the secession movement, right? You know, the you know I brought up the example of you know Hawaii because uh, I live there, and even though I'm not a big fan, right? It was, you know, the the United States government admitted that it was you know it was an illegal taking of Hawaii, like they they usurped a monarch. Right, they apologized for it during the Clinton administration, and then made no amends on it. Right, it was just like, "Yep, we did it," 
and now what? You know, I was like, I'm so I'm for secession. Like start there, start you know go go Texas, go California. You know, New Hampshire had its little movement here, and it's like, well, what happens when New Hampshire secedes? And I go, well, hopefully we'll start letting the cities and counties secede from the state. You know, and he goes to the extreme example, right? Of like, okay, so you think that it's okay then if all the cities and towns and counties secede in New Hampshire, right? That slavery would be okay in one county and not in another county. I went, I mean, if that's really where they're going to go in modern times, right? Like if, if the county's going to secede just so they can reinstitute slavery, like, okay, go for it. Because that's the, you know, the beauty of the federated system, right? Is I don't have to go into that county and they're going to isolate themselves from the rest of us, you know, by trying to, you know, by, by trying to reenact slavery. He's like, well, what about all the people in that county? I go, well, again, that's the beauty of the federated system. It's not like they're going to be able to institute it overnight, right? You just drive 20 minutes and you're free of slavery, you know, you just, you get out before it, before it actually becomes law. And if you don't get out before it becomes law, then you escape as soon as possible. And I don't think a small little county, you know, however big it happens to be anywhere in New Hampshire is going to have the enforcement system in place, you know, to re to, to, to enforce the reinstituted policies of slavery anytime soon before most of the people escape and there, there's nothing left for them to control. I think that's fair. And I think that's when, you know, the, the discussion came to, to an end. But it's weird, right, that, you know, someone who's relatively intellectual, like, not like, yeah, I don't, I say he's smart. He's not like a genius. Um, but he's, you know, he's, his opinions and mentorship, I guess, in some areas are valuable, right? Like, I like, I like listening to his thought process and his viewpoints on things uh, while I'm at work. <clears throat> but then we get into these weird political th- situations, and it's just fucking rid- ridiculous. I go, well, <sighs> here we go again. Now we're pushing back with that one, and we'll see where this one takes us. You still with me, MC? Did I lose you? Yeah, you lost me a little bit. Okay. I guess we could do a headline or two then. All right. Since chaos is gone, and that was partially his thing. All right, headline. Is it physical assault to expose something to fentanyl? A headline. Oh, here you go. We could have just gotten in. The safety agency considers ban on gas stoves amid health fears. We don't have to do that because we already talked about that. Headline. Innocence doesn't matter when the government wants to steal your money. A headline. Don't trust the government with your privacy, property, or your freedoms. A he- <laughs> headline. Billionaire Larry Ellison. Ticketed by Lanai Cop on Hawaiian Island he owns. <laughs> uh, headline, Chicago Public Schools will call, your, will call child services if you're late to pick up your kids from school. Uh, headline, belief in freedom is bad for you. So is distrust of government, according to a study in the American Journal of Medicine. And finally, headline, yes, Virginia, there is a deep state and it is worse than you think. Any of those jump out at you? Um, I guess the last one. Yes, Virginia, there is a deep state. Yep. Okay. You know, for for a long time, before we get into this, for a long time, right, we have known about the deep state 
and it's a lot of it seemed uh, factual, but too conspiratorial to discuss, right? Like there wasn't, it was one of, it was like a known secret, right? Like we knew it's there. There's tertiary information coming out about it, um, but there wasn't a lot of proof. And the only proof that you could get were from dubious sources. And and it seems like... The only revelations I've come to believe about it is, is that, you know, uh, so when I, when, when I initially found out about the deep state, I thought, okay, these are the shadowy figures that are actually in control of everything. Right. And and now I've come to realize how incompetent they are and they're not actually in control of everything. They're that what they're really doing, they're they're in control of messing everything up. Like they're, (laughs) they are the monkey wrench that's thrown into an otherwise, uh, I don't know, not the worst system in the world. <laughs> like, okay. And so they're making it the worst system in the world. All right. So we'll, we'll get into this article. I'll mention uh, really quickly that my first, uh, my first memory of being introduced to the, 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 uh, the concept of the deep state was when Jesse Ventura won the governorship of Minnesota. Remember this? Sure. He was, he was mayor uh, at some point in his political career. And then he became the governor of Minnesota. And in an open interview, he said, like, you know, I don't remember at what point, you know, like after he was, you know, after his term was up or whatever. But he's like, you know, when I, when I won the election, I was quickly whisked away into a room where I got the talk. And the talk was, yes, you are now the governor, but this is how things are going to work. Right. So, as soon as he became, you know, politically powerful, even of governor of Minnesota, right, there was a deep state in place that quickly explained it to him how things were going to be and what the consequences uh, were for, you know, violating those, that, you know, their, what their, their instructions. Now, I went, oh, okay, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily trust politicians, but... He was the outsider at the time, right? And so, it, you know, seemed reasonable uh, to me that that could have been what happened. Sure. And the more I hear about the deep state, the more I, be- the more I believe he was telling the truth at the time. Mm-hmm. All right. Mention, uh, enter the article. Mentioning the term deep state in polite company, and most likely no one will want to speak with you the rest of the evening. The deep state is what Wikipedia calls discredited. Something reeking of conspiracies, false accusations, (laughs) and the substitution of fantasy for the truth. After the FBI raided Donald Trump's home in Florida, Trump alluded to deep state actions, which brought predictable ridicule from the mainstream media. Trump was speaking conspiratorially, and if one follows the mainstream media these days, the only conspiracies are on the right. You know, like the one which in which the unarmed ragtag January 6th rioters nearly overthrew the United States government. <laughs> After the recent revelations about how Twitter works to hide the story of the infamous Hunter Biden laptop, Trump attributed the secrecy to a plot by the deep state. However, while the facts of the story really are outrageous, I don't believe it was as much a secret conspiracy as a case of people being able to engage in certain actions with no political consequences. 
Furthermore, journalist Matt Taibbi's stunning revelation regarding FBI and CIA agents' outright interference in the 2020 election via Twitter on the pretense that Russian operatives were spreading disinformation has further exposed both the involvement of federal law enforcement agencies in partisan activities and the sad fact that these, those agents need not worry about being held accountable, especially if they are engaged in a progressive cause. The standard deep state narrative. One does not have to believe in a single conspiracy, not even about the 9-11 attacks, to understand that there really is what we call a deep state. Indeed, what we, may, might, what we might call the real deep state has nothing to do with conspiracies, secret meetings, and the like. Instead, this deep state operates in the open and in broad daylight, and that makes the deep state narrative an even greater threat than the secret cabal narrative. When I was a young adult, I read a novel by two anti-communist journalists called The Spike, in which a young, liberal, and crusading journalist uncovers a nest of Soviet agents embedded in the U.S. government. The journalist's story on the affair, however, is spiked by his employer, a Washington Post-like paper. But the protagonist manages to get the story out elsewhere. The result is that a compromised president is brought down and the federal government is able to ferret out Soviet agents. Thus, in a dramatic moment, a motivated journalist and political allies expose the equivalent of the deep state. And the U.S. government makes a rightward turn. The deep state goes away. The hard truth. <clears throat> Unfortunately, no novelist can write our present deep state because that would be a bridge too far. The reason is that our present deep state simply is the executive branch of government, which has been written into our laws and our courts, and this branch has taken over much of the role originally assigned to the judi judicial wing of the government, that of interpreting the laws. The real power of the modern state is in its civil service, which is composed of employees of all the federal departments and agencies, employees who are hardly neutral ideologically and politically, employees who are protected by civil service laws and by unions. When progressive regimes, such as the Biden and Obama administration, occupy the West Wing in Congress, the federal court becomes almost irrelevant. The president and his political appointees govern by executive orders, which, not surprisingly, the alleged neutral government employees enthusiastically support. Much of modern lawmaking is by executive order, with many orders not even having to square with the statutes underlying them, something that has gone on for a long time. For example, when President Franklin Roosevelt seized private gold holdings in 1933, he based ex executive order upon the 1917 Trading with the Enemy Act. When President Biden announced student loan forgiveness, he based his order on the 9-11 Heroes Act, stretched that law and its obvious intent to the point that it was unrecognizable. While not all executive orders have the effect of Executive Order 6102, they nonetheless involve the executive branch of the U.S. government assuming power that may well violate the Constitution, yet are carried out without a worry that any outside agency, including the U.S. Supreme Court, will intervene. Yes, the courts so far have slapped down Biden's student loan forgiveness scheme, but the litigation process is not complete, and the courts can be unpredictable. All-powerful bureaucracy has progressive support. One would think that educated Americans would blanch at the prospect of the federal agencies making policies independent of congressional or court oversight, but the opposite is true, especially when federal agents pursue progressive policies. For example, when the Supreme Court placed some legal fences around the Environmental Protection Agency's power to regulate carbon dioxide emissions, the progressive establishment exploded in anger. 
For example, the New York Times, which carries a progressive standard, declared that the court had placed Americans' lives in danger. Quote, regulatory agencies staffed by experts are the best available mechanisms for a representative democracy to make decisions in an area of technical complexity. The EPA is the entity that Congress relies upon to figure out how clean the air should be and how, we to, and how to get there. Asserting that it lacks the power to perform its basic responsibility is simply sabotage. Governance by experts have been the progressive mantra for more than a century. The idea being that so-called experts embedded deep in government should be free to make whatever decisions they believe best to govern the rest of us. The assumptions of the editors of the New York Times is that the experts always, or at least usually, know what is best for everyone else and how to achieve those important social and economic ends. Likewise, the revelations that the FBI and CIA were coercing social media companies to censor anything that contradicted certain progressive narratives coming from Washington, D.C., should have been banner headlines everywhere and the lead story on the evening news. Instead, mainstream progressive journalists attacked Matt Taibbi, or like David French, they downplayed the seriousness of what happened and made excuses for the federal agents. French argued that the only real question was whether federal agents had violated the First Amendment and that anything else was not fit for discussion, and yes, he concluded that those agents probably had not violated the Constitution. Conclusion. We are not speaking of secret conspiracies in which nefarious actions are carried out in the darkness. These things are carried out in daylight, complete with the names and characters involved, yet people who raise serious questions about the legality of these actions, let alone the questions of right and wrong, are excoriated and ignored by our institutional gatekeepers. That is why I say that this version of the deep state is much worse than whatever the authors of the spike might have believed to exist. The people involved do what they darn well please, all the while claiming they are the soul of democracy, and many Americans seem to either believe them or no longer care. End of the article. Your thoughts, MC? Um, yeah, and that's kind of my point, is that they are so incompetent that... They, they they don't even care themselves anymore whether or not what they you know when they do illegal things out in the open and get caught um, they don't care so um, you know hope, hopefully they end up losing power over this um, if they don't um, well then you know bring on 1984 you know whatever you know okay. gonna, the, the bureaucracy will just win and um, and there will be you know the the majority of people would just be okay with it because you know because that's what care. the majority does <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah yeah they don't, they don't care um and and the people who do care will either have to leave or find a way to you know survive uh within it and that's what we do anyway so um just the fact that it's out in the open um i, I don't know if that makes it worse well, it, 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 just, it, it just proves how okay. it just proves how powerful they are. It's not it's not any worse. It's it's like I, that um, makes it worse. That absolutely makes it worse because they're okay, brazen well, about it, right? If if well, they had fear of reprisal, that, they wouldn't. If that be hurts brazen. your feelings, if that hurts your feelings that they're brazen about it, I I don't know, I don't know, I don't understand why. No, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt my feelings. It just it it makes because when you it's one thing to like to secretly do bad things right yeah because i there's think that's under- worse no <laughs> no because people who secretly do bad things do them in secret because they fear reprisal right like i don't i don't walk in i i burgle a home in the middle of the night 
right? Because I don't want to get shot by the homeowner. Well, right? let's put it this way. The, the fact that they were able to do things in secret in the past allowed them to get to a, a point where they don't have to be afraid anymore. So yeah, it's, like this, the system is worse, but the, the acts are the, you know, just as sinister. I mean, yeah. And well, the, the acts are just as sinister, but I, again, I think it's objectively worse because when they're brazen about it, that not only do they not fear reprisal, right? There's, there's no reprisal coming, right? If the burglar breaks into your house in the middle of the night quietly and steals from you, that's bad. I, the people right. that did it in secret also did not fear reprisal because they, they no, were they in, did. That's why they, they, were, they were in, in secret, but they were in secret. So they, they, if they were afraid, they wouldn't do it. No, if they were, if they were afraid, they do it in secret, right? Like you break you break into the house when no one's home because you don't want to get shot. Right. But if you, if you walk through the front door, right. And just start collecting things off the mantle and grabbing the TV, right. That's way worse because there's no fear of reprisal there, right? You do it in secret because you don't want to get shot. You do it out in the open because you know you're not going to get shot and there's nothing they can do about it, right? Like, they, it's, it's, the contest is over. You are now immune from prosecution, persecution, and, and any sort of reprisal. Right? Yeah, but you they get, were immune from it anyway. No, they weren't. Back, they weren't. I think they were. I think if they would have ca- got caught doing something secret, they would have made something up and that person would still be, you know, free. They might've made something up, but at least it would have been frowned upon. Right. It would have yeah, been like, and that's, he did, he did something wrong. Right. The, the president broke into the Watergate building and tried to steal documents from the democratic party. Right. Holy shit. Impeach him. Well, he, he resigned right before he could get impeached, but still he that's tried his fault. To, he should, he shouldn't have resigned. Well, <laughs> That, that might be a fair point, but he did it in secret because he couldn't do it out in the open, right? He got caught and there were consequences. Well, we, well, we don't know. What do you mean we don't know? He, he resigned. He might have got away with it you know, no, if I, he would have just I, stayed there. I understand your hypothetical, right? But he did it in secret because he thought he was, because he feared what would happen if he got caught. He got caught and whatever hypothetical you want to give, Right, there were consequences, or potentially theoretical consequences, or potentially theoretical lack of consequences. But either way, it cost him a presidency. Yeah. Right. And now, what I'm saying now is, they don't even do it in secret; they do it out in the open because you know they they go like, well, what what are you, citizen, actually going to do about it? And the answer is nothing. And I'm saying that that's worse. That's worse than trying to do it in secret. Because if they try to do it in secret and got caught, there at least right is the possibility of some sort of uproar or pushback saying like, no, right? Like the January 6th, whatever you want to call it, insurrection, right? Should have been seen as the pushback moment, right? You stole the election. We are pushing back uh, and nothing, you know, nothing became of it because it wasn't, you know, it was because, because again, they turned the narrative around. Well, at the time, they didn't even know how they stole it. It was, it was a bunch of people with a gut feeling saying, you know, something's not right here. A strong gut feeling. And now we know how they did it. Right. But now they, so it, but so now it they was admit too, it was too soon. <laughs> right. Yeah. But now they admit to how they did it and they're and nothing. Right. We're not having another January 6th. All right. Final thoughts. 
No. All right, that'll do it for us. Maybe we'll finish this discussion next time, but we'll wrap it up this time. Uh, you know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. And if you would like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.